الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد I think as we're all aware we're approaching the blessed month of Ramadan and from now we ask Allah اللهم بلغنا رمضان أو الله allow us help us to reach the month of Ramadan أمين يا رب العالمين when it comes to truly benefiting from the blessed month of Ramadan, which is this incredible annual opportunity, if I want to really benefit from it, then I can't just show up on its doorstep the first night, the first day of Ramadan, and then try to make adjustments and then try to make changes. What I need to do is I need to start preparing from now. And a beautiful image that our scholars have given is during this month, so not one month before Ramadan, two months before. During this month, the month of Rajab, that's when we focus on planting our seeds. And then in the next month of Sha'ban, we focus on watering them, we focus on the cultivation. <coughs> and then in the month of Ramadan, that's when we reap the harvest. So if we really want to have a fruitful Ramadan, unintended, then we need to start preparing as best we can from now. <coughs> I need to start preparing as best I can from now. One of the classic tricks of shaitan is he wants us to work in extremes, both ways. This may sound a little bit strange, but let it sink in for a moment. Shaitan wants to work in extremes in opposite ways. Shaitan either wants us to do too little 
and he wants us to continue in that direction because he doesn't want us to do anything. And he also, ironically, may try to get people to go to the other extreme where he may want to try to get people to do too much too soon to the point that they burn out and then it's not sustainable. And then the end result of that is they also end up not doing anything or doing very little. The middle is where shaitan wants to prevent us from getting to. He wants to keep us from being in the middle. And what does Allah tell us in the Quran? Allah has made us a balanced nation. Allah has made us a middle path nation. There has to be balanced. So when it comes to the preparation, we don't want to do too little. We also don't want to do too much too soon. And the secret sauce to make all of this work is everybody has to reflect within themselves and ask themselves genuinely, objectively and sincerely, what is my middle path? What is my middle path? What can I do to take that next baby step of coming closer <coughs> to Allah The Prophet taught us the deeds most beloved to Allah He didn't just say it's good, even though it is. He didn't just give a general recommendation. What he taught us, think of who's saying this. When you think of the person bearing the message, that in and of itself adds a lot more weight to the message. If Stephen Curry tells one of our youth that, hey, you have a really good jump shot, you have a future in basketball, that's very different than a random person, you know, at the park playing pickup ball, who they can't even shoot properly, telling someone, hey, you have a good jump shot. That may be true, it may look nice, but it's very different when you look at who's bearing the message, who's delivering the message. So who is saying this? It's that Habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He taught us the deeds most beloved to Allah. So he's placing this concept at the top of the hierarchy of priorities. The Prophet is teaching us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what to prioritize and how to prioritize. And this concept is year round. It's not limited to Ramadan, but I'm tying it into Ramadan and especially preparation for that month from now. <clears throat> the Prophet taught us والسلام, the deeds most beloved to Allah. That number one spot are those that are done consistently even if they're small. So if I make that niyyah, oftentimes the secret is in the intention, is in the sincerity of the intention is in the depth of the intention. And this applies to anything. If someone sincerely has the intention that they want to grow up and become a doctor, they want to grow up and become a businessman, they want to grow up and do this or that or whatever incredible thing it might be. If they have that sincere intention and they couple that intention with action and they start making moves in connection with that and they start really putting in the hard work to make it a reality, eventually, inshallah, they're going to get there or Allah will give them something better. When you're sincere, when you have the sincere intention and you take appropriate, responsible action, Allah is too generous to not help you. Allah is too generous to not hook you up, to not take care of you. Allah will help you to get to that option A of a goal, whatever that might be, even regarding dunya 
or Allah will give you something better. Allah is kareem. What the Prophet taught us والسلام, is the top priority that we should all have, that we should all interact with on a daily and nightly basis is to have some kind of connection to consistent good deeds. So now, in preparation for the blessed month of Ramadan, again, Allahumma balighna Ramadan, amin rabbil alameen, what can I do to prepare for that from now in connection with this concept, in connection with a consistent good deed? If I'm already doing it, how can I keep doing it? And how can I take a baby step forward in connection with that good deed that's already established? How can I continue to water that acorn such that it grows and develops into a full-on oak tree? And then you plant another one, and then another one, and then another one. And before you know it, you have this, this incredible orchard of all these different types of fruit. You have all these different types of trees because that methodology ties in with what the Prophet taught us. When you plant a seed and you nurture it and you nourish it, if you give it too little, it's not gonna work. Likewise, if you give it too much, it's not gonna work. You need to give that seed what it needs. Different seeds have different needs. Some need more sunlight, some need less. Some plants need, need more water, some need less. So we need to reflect within ourselves and ask ourselves, objectively and honestly, where am I at now? Not in a self-loathing way, not in a negative way, not in an arrogant way, not in a way of judging other people and looking down on them. That's not the point. All of that stuff is on the edges. All of that stuff needs to go. Easier said than done, but it has to. All of that is rust that needs to be polished away. Objectively and honestly, where am I at now in terms of my relationship with Allah? And how can I take that next step in terms of consistent good deeds. If someone is at a place in their life where they have a very strong inclination towards spending more time with the Book of Allah, with the Quran, that's beautiful, lean into it. Because that inclination that Allah gave you is a gift from Him to you. If someone else has an inclination, they love fasting Mondays and Thursdays. They love fasting the white days every month. They have this niche where their thing in terms of their relationship with Allah, they know that their go-to good deed when times are both good and they want to show shukr to Allah and when times are bad and they're trying to hold on to their sabr. They're trying to hold on to that resiliency and that grit. And that grit, they, they go back to that. Whatever that niche is, whatever that good deed is, whatever that strength is that Allah has blessed them with, they go to that over and over and they polish it good. What is that? And then how am I doing with that now? And then what's my plan regarding that in connection with Ramadan? For someone else, it might be charity. For someone else, it might be praying. For someone else, it might be feeding the homeless. For someone else, it might be family ties. Someone, oftentimes in every family, you have this one person who's the glue for like a hundred people. If you have a giant family, or maybe it's a smaller family and it's five or 10 people, oftentimes you usually have one or two people that they're kind of the mortar to keep all the bricks together. That's a beloved thing to Allah Azza wa When the Prophet ﷺ shows up in Medina, what's his inaugural address? He addresses the people at UNS and he gives four action items, very short and sweet, very practical. And again, the secret to these action items is consistency. What did the Prophet mention? He shows up to Medina after over a decade of challenges and oppression in Mecca. 
what kind of advice does he give? What, what kind of advice does he give in that context? Think of all of the emotions that he must be going through, that Sayyidina Abu Bakr must be going through, who wept out of joy when the Prophet went to him in person والسلام, and mentioned that they were going to be making the hijrah together. What was the reaction of Abu Bakr? The Prophet said, yes. You're asking me to be your companion on that journey? The Prophet said, yes. And Sayyidina Aisha, she would mention later, I never saw my father wept, weep. I never saw him cry out of joy like I saw that day. He had this opportunity to have all the one-on-one -on -one time with the Prophet that you could want. No question, there's a lot of pressure. There's a bounty on their heads. There's, But he's looking at it with the intention, going back to the niyyah, of khidna. I get to be with my beloved one-on-one -on -one for however long it takes for us to get there. I get to serve the Prophet. I get to be with him. I get to protect him. I get to... He chose me individually. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet gets to Medina, and what does he mention? He addresses the people. He says, Afsh salam spread peace. Which is not limited only to saying, As-salamu alaykum, which is a beautiful thing. That is the greeting of Jannah. May Allah gather all of us and our loved ones in Jannah. Spreading peace is not limited only to words, although that's important. You have to have intentions of peace, words of peace, actions of peace. How can I facilitate peace? If it's good, how can I make it better? If it's bad, how can I make it good? How can I be an agent of positive change within my family, within my community, within my neighborhood? The Prophet mentions to spread peace. And feed people. Literally feed food. Just feed people. Muslim or non-Muslim, that doesn't matter. Just feed them. Allah praises people. They give because of their love for Allah Azza wa Jal. That's one understanding. They also give from food that they love. That's another understanding. These are people of action. These are people of consistency. Allah praises them that they give from food they love for Allah the one they love. We can combine the meanings to feed people. Prisoners and the poor, so on and so forth. People of action, people of consistency. The Prophet arrives in Medina, he says, spread peace, feed people. Maintain family ties. This one especially can get very difficult at times. It's a whole separate topic. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people with trauma. We ask Allah to heal them and to make things easy for them. So for those extremely painful scenarios, let's leave those to the side with respect in terms of norms, in terms of healthy dynamics and situations, because that there's no question regarding that, the Prophet <clears throat> is saying maintain family ties. The Prophet is saying to, to polish those connections. Sometimes we get busy, we unintentionally lose touch with our siblings, with whatever, different family members. This can be a reminder that, you know what, let me, let me make that connection again. Let me reach out, let me send a text, let me send a phone call. The Prophet arrives in Medina. Think of the scenario. Spread peace, feed people, maintain family ties, family connections. And pray at night when people are sleeping. Four action items. Very precise. It takes a few moments to say each one. 
And then what's the end result? What is the fruit to come out of that? You will enter paradise in peace. And funny enough, the Sahabi who relates this hadith is Abdullah ibn Salam. Even in his name, there's another layer of peace. He was a rabbi in Medina and he converted to Islam. Consistency. Everyone has a different niche. Everyone has a different strength. Everyone also has different weaknesses, but the point is for us to collectively bring our strengths together. How can we as communities prepare for Ramadan? How can we as families prepare for Ramadan? And as individuals, how can we prepare for Ramadan? What kind of consistent good deeds can we do to prepare from now? Don't wait till Ramadan and then think, oh, and then think that, okay, now I'm going to rekindle my relationship with the Qur'an. Is there good in that? No question, of course there's good in that. But what's better is to crack open that Qur'an from now. And if you're more of an audible learner, then to rekindle that relationship with listening to the Qur'an. Everyone is different. Some people are more visual. Some people, they need to touch and feel things. There are all these, in terms of educational theory, there are all these different learning styles. Allah has blessed different people with different preferences when it comes to learning. In one way or the other, if we can connect with the Qur'an from now, that's the idea. The Qur'an is supposed to motivate us to try to produce good deeds, actions, to be people of change as best we can. Oftentimes we fall into the pitfall of misery because we're constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else. That is a fast track to misery. Regarding deen or regarding dunya, if someone says, oh, so-and-so, they have this thing in their dunya and I don't have it, the only thing that comes out of that, they feel bad about themselves and they overlook the blessings that Allah already gave them. The man with no shoes, when they see someone with no feet, what are they going to be thinking more about? The fact that they don't have shoes or the fact that this other person doesn't have feet? The way that the Muslims should think, the niyyah to come out of that should be to ask Allah to give them shoes and to give them a whole bunch of extra shoes so they can go and help other people and so they can also go and help other people who may not have feet. Maybe they have a drive to collect money to give them wheelchairs. How can we establish a wheelchair ramp at this location or that? There's a lot of good that we can produce if we look at things in that way and we try our best to do what we can consistently. One of the most beautiful things about the way of our Prophet is he was very practical. You have, you have one, one very excited you know, young man of a Sahabi, Abdullah bin Amr ibn al-As, who was doing so much ibadah. When the Prophet had a conversation, I mean, to, to, in a nutshell, to summarize, when you look at the conversation the Prophet had with him, the, the, what the Prophet is telling him is, do a little bit when it comes to Qur'an, when it comes to praying, when it comes to fasting. Because Abdullah bin Amr, he got married, and it's as if he wasn't married. So his wife ended up complaining to his father that, you know, it's like your son is not even married. Like, he's fasting every day, he's praying every night, he's, like, a little bit is good, but, I mean, for crying out loud, I exist too. That example also ties in with Ramadan. 
as men, if we're only fasting all day and praying all night, there's no question there's good in this. But what about the wife? What about the kids? How can we have some kind of balance? <laughs> people are different. For some people, it's much easier for them maybe to pray more, to pray all of tarweeh. Maybe we don't have certain obligations or responsibilities. Maybe other people do, and they shouldn't feel bad if they can't do as much as so-and-so. The wife of Abdullah bin Amr goes in and complains to his father, and then eventually the Prophet, he gets wind of it, so the Prophet talks to him, and he tells him to finish the Qur'an every month. I can do more than that. Okay, this much. I can do more. Okay, this much. I can do more. The most is every three days. Don't do more than that. So when it came to how the Prophet responded, the Prophet is the one, والسلام, say something very practical for the person he's speaking to. This much. And then the response was, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. For each of them, for the prayer, for the, the, the fasting, for the Qur'an. You know what that Sahabi said later? Because he took that and he committed to it. He was consistent. And then later when he got much older, he said, I should have taken the advice of the Prophet Because once he, he, he committed to, to that routine, fasting every other day, and so it, it was a very high level. And his niyyah was that he wanted to remain consistent for the rest of his life. And he felt bad of, of turning away from that after having that one-on-one -on -one interaction with the Prophet ﷺ. So he, he continued to do it into his old age and then you know his family, they would help him out and he would kind of divide things and piecemeal. But the point is, the way of the Prophet is what? It's very practical. In his personal life, he may have prayed Qiyam where he recites Baqarah, Nisa, Imran in his personal life. But when it comes to Sayyidina Mu'adh leading the Jama'ah, Are you causing fitna to the people because you're reciting Baqarah in Aisha and Jama'ah? Recite Sabihisma Rabbika al-A'la wa shamsi wa duhaha. Recite shorter surahs. Don't make things difficult for people. The Prophet was very practical. We ask Allah to make it easy for us to connect with our team practically and consistently. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Azzati Amin Yasifun. Wa salam al-Muslim. Alhamdulillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu sallu ala nabiyya ayyuhu al-lazina amunu sallu alayhi wa sallam wa taslima. Sallallahu ala Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'll conclude with this example. When it comes to, when it comes to the heart, the best way that we can manage it, take care of it, polish it, nourish it, step one, is purification, and then step two is beautification. Let me take this incredible garment that might be dirty, step one, take it to the dry cleaners. Let them clean it. And then when it comes to wearing it, there's the beautification, there's the cologne, there's you wanna smell nice and you wanna, you wanna embellish things. Step one is purification, and then step two is beautification. If you have fancy china, a fancy mug at home and it's dirty, not just go and throw it away. No, you clean it. First you clean it. There's the purification and then the beautification. So let's keep this image in mind as we try to connect with these different good deeds and we try to do this <coughs> consistently and we try to prepare for the blessed month of Ramadan. There, there's this constant, the pendulum is constantly swinging. There's the, there's the, the, the purification, there's the purging, and then there's also the beautification, there's also the decoration, there's so there's a time and a place for both, no question. 
Step one, though, is to detox. And then step two, let me add more and more good. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to bless us and protect us. ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين وأقل الصلاة